I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube. And joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, walking across the yard to say hello to his neighbor. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Hey, I actually have really good neighbors uh, at my house. I have their phone Must number. Must be nice. Like, Must be they're nice. They're awesome. Now, I don't think you can say the same thing. So so far, they've been nice to me. However, my neighbors, I know a lot of you have been tracking our stories. Isaac has amazing stories about fatherhood and about his son walking for the first time, discovering the gender of his baby, you know, all these amazing things. And we're over here. I had to move to Florida for various personal reasons. And so we're living in Florida. And uh, I have counted. And four out of my uh, f- six you know, uh, adjacent neighbors have had the cops called on them at some point <laughs> that I've lived here. <laughs> um, very late at night, all of them. Lots of them because of screaming and, and personal issues. But I have this neighbor. I've had this issue with this neighbor. He's across streets. Old guy lives with another old guy. And he'll come across the street and he used to just say hi to my dog. And I didn't really think a lot of it. And then he said, I'm going to bring some treats for your dog. And the guy talks so much. I just didn't really have any, any like way to say anything like to get in anything edgewise and so he bought some of these treats and he brought them over and it was i guess it was fine uh but i don't see him a lot of the time when he does this and so one time i came and he had a completely empty box of treats there was a big box of treats that would take us probably six months to go through it took him probably about two weeks <laughs> so i'm a little concerned at this point and then the other night he came over my wife saw him and he didn't have any treats left because he gave them all to my dog. He just had a napkin full of ham from his own table, which is okay if it's from your own house, but if it's from somebody else's house, it's really, really creepy. So I got to talking to him, and this is the thing he told me, Isaac Harris, and this is where my story kind of ends. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, he's telling me about his his hip and all this stuff, and you know, stuff old people talk about. And then he was like, "Yeah, I, I went on this website, this auction website, and I bought this picture of Adolf." And that really threw me for a loop, and I just thought for a second, and I had to really, I, didn't, I had to put two and two together to realize that he bought a painting of Hitler. He bought a painting of Hitler, and now it's in his house somewhere. He went on to say that he buys lots of military stuff, and he has military stuff from every country. But the way that he phrased that was just weird. Did it strike you weird that he said I bought a painting of Adolf? I mean, I'd say most people don't refer uh, to Hitler at, as Adolf, so. Uh, red flag that maybe he's part of the family. I don't like know, even if he did it for for your president, like I bought a painting of tr- of Donald, or I bought a painting yeah. of Barack, or I bought a painting of George. Like, <laughs> just <laughs> odd to, to phrase it that way. But a guy did that you was see so Donald's tweets today? Duck, duck, Donald Duck. Well, I mean, I will say, um, I mean, you're a Lakers fan. He's a fan of Hitler. Y'all should get along. <laughs> Genie Bus does not deserve this. Dwight Howard, on the other hand, he's got all the snakes he wants. So, oh. but yeah, that's my that's my weird neighbor story. You have all these great 
awesome family stories to share and i have weird neighbors that buy paintings of of adolf and feed my hey, dog he might be listening to this there. podcast so uh stop giving nick's dogs food all our, right our 65 plus demographic off. thriving <laughs> <laughs> shout out to all the 65 plus listeners and shout out to our female listeners by the way we had a female listener tweet us something that i said on the podcast and uh it kind of warmed my heart even though it was a weird thing that, that she tweeted us no she said congrats <laughs> on the sex which and is i'm like a joke i made on the podcast yesterday yes it made me feel so uncomfortable uh <laughs> I just read the tweet and I my face got red reading the tweet. And so your face got red twice during the show and then once afterwards, <laughs> just by repeating what it was. Yes, uh, but was it, it reminded me that we do have female listeners and I really appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks. My wife listens to this podcast, so uh, shout out to you, babe. Um, all right, so we're continuing our five star iTunes review questions. Uh, let's hit this one quickly. Uh, Coach A said, both of you guys are married, right? I'm looking to get engaged soon. That's his name. Both of you are married. I'm looking to get engaged soon, but I have no idea how to do it. How did you propose to your wives? We'll just do this uh, oh briefly. I, how do we answer this? We've answered this before, but but for Coach. We'll do it for Coach, Isaac. Uh, Coach Carter? I drove my wife to the beach in uh, Galveston, which was one of the places where our relationship really became what it is now. And uh, I wrote a song for her and sang it, and that's how I proposed. Oh, I thought he was going to give more details. Uh, yeah, you're yeah, part long, of this, too. <laughs> long, <laughs> long story short, I uh, my wife thought she was going to take pictures of a family for, uh, uh, like, family pictures. She shows up at this uh, trail in the woods. Um, it was not for pictures. It was totally surprise set up. And uh, she goes down this trail, and each uh, there's, like, stations along the trail of different best friends grandparents her parents uh each station they like read off things that uh aspects of her that i really uh liked and loved and obviously i was at the very end of the trail and which i proposed and all that stuff uh advice i would give to him this is just personally one ring take her to go look at rings that to where you get a ring of at least something that she likes. That's this is yes. just my personal thing. Yes. If you're going to drop the money on buying a ring, I w- I knew that my wife loved the princess cut ring, so I knew I was going to go with a princess cut instead of just winging it. And then she loves the princess cut, and I come back instead with instead of what like, other cuts? What other cuts are there, Isaac? You have a diamond cut. No, they all have diamonds in them. Come on. I know that's that's dumb. Um, circle. Sure, <laughs> but no. So that's. Cut. I will say that, and if you can pull it off in some sense, if it's not part of the proposal, if she is really close to her family or friends, stuff like that, maybe you have like a get together right afterwards. The proposal happens, and then bam, you go meet up with her parents or her friends and stuff like that, and you kind of celebrate the proposal. It brings her family, friends, and stuff uh, along for the celebration, too. Anyway, that's just my two And do engagement photos. You'll you'll regret not doing... You'll regret not having your proposal, some kind of uh, photography or videography done, and then right afterwards, you want to do an engagement shoot because we really appreciate our engagement photos. Okay. Uh, that's our our advice for Coach. Everybody else, send your five-star iTunes reviews with questions. We'll answer every one of them on the podcast. And our show today... Sponsored again by DoorDash. Isaac, long day at work. Stuck at the office. I was stuck at the office talking to a guy about a painting of Adolf because I work from home now. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners get $5 off their first order, $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app, 
enter the promo code locked on. So if you want something, you're at your office, you're stuck there, you want to get a meal sent to you, delivered straight to you, download the DoorDash app at promo code locked on, get $5 off first order, $15 or more. That's 33% off. So go do that and, uh, and then tell us that you did it. And we appreciate you guys doing that. All right. Coming up on the podcast, I didn't even tell you guys what we're doing, but the title probably gave it away. We are doing profiles of DeLon Wright and Seth Curry, two guards added this offseason that will add a lot to this Mavericks team. So coming up, DeLon Wright and Seth Curry. All right, Isaac, so DeLon Wright, a 6'5 guard. He's 27 years old. He's going into his sixth season in the NBA. He was drafted by Toronto, one pick before the Mavericks in 2015. We've talked about this story many times, but the Mavericks were going to draft him. But Toronto swooped in and got him. The Mavs ended up picking Justin Anderson. They traded him, they traded him for Nerlens Noel. <laughs> that worked out. Um, he was uh, on Toronto, and then he, last season he was traded uh, to Memphis in the Marcus Gasol deal. And then he was uh, sent in a sign-and-trade to the Mavs for a 2021 second-round pick, a 2023 second-round pick, and he will always be remembered. Satnam Singh was also sent in the signing trade. <laughs> we'll remember Satnam. So the role for DeLon Wright, we know he's going to be the starting point guard. That's a given. Uh, and a lot has been said about his defense this summer. DeLon Wright's role is going to be defending the best guards in the NBA. Yes. Defensively, he is going to take the hardest uh, pretty much guard wing assignment. And it kind of depends on who the fifth starter is. When we say the fifth starter, we commonly refer to that because uh, we fully expect Dwight Powell to start at center uh, alongside Kristaps Porzingis. We fully expect Luka to start, and we expect DeLon Wright to start. The fifth starter, that's when we say who the fifth starter is. Um, I think depending on who that fifth starter is will depend on exactly what DeLon Wright's defensive role will look like. For instance, if Dorian Finney-Smith is the fifth starter, then Finney-Smith will take on uh, the maybe the James Hardens of the world, uh, the Kawhi Leonard's of the world, Paul George, stuff like that. If it's... Um, Maybe Justin Jackson. Well, let's just let's just throw out Seth Curry. What if Seth Curry's in that fifth you know fifth spot? Don't think he will, but we'll talk about him more in a little bit. Then Delon Wright becomes that main wing defender, whether it's a point guard or a wing guy like a Paul George, something like that. So I think his role defensively is still up in the air a little bit. Either way, he's going. He has to be one of their best perimeter defenders, and I think he already is viewed as that. And I think they're going to have to rely on that a ton. Um, Offensively, I wrote a I wrote a piece for Maz.com a while, uh, probably like a month or so ago, and I talked about his uh, role in the offense. Of it, he kind of played two different roles in Toronto and Memphis, and you might look at the Memphis numbers as Maz fans and be like, "Man, look at those triple doubles at the end of the season! Let's go!" <laughs> um, but that's not really going to be the role that he's going to be playing in Dallas. The best version of DeLon Wright was him playing off-ball, this combo guard tandem off the bench with Fred Van Vliet in Toronto. That's the type of role that he we hope that he's going to play in Dallas. I think he will play in Dallas offensively. Playing off-ball some with Luka, handling the ball some, Luka playing off of him. It's it's that type of role in the offense to where in Memphis, he had to create for create his shot way more than he ever did in Toronto. And you saw some of his shooting percentages go down with that. He shot 25% from three in Memphis, 
But you look at Toronto, he shot 33% before he got traded. It was because he had to create more. That's just not his game. We have Luka now in Dallas. So I think he's going to offensively, he'll go back to playing that role he played in Toronto, which is going to be a really good role for him in Dallas. Yeah, I wrote for his offensive role, tertiary playmaker. He is, after Luka and after Porzingis, he is the guy that he can do things. He can create. He can draw. He drove like 10 times a game last year for Memphis. Uh, So he can create a little bit. He can, you know, run a fast break. He can, you know, run a half court set. He can do a lot of things like that, but you're not going to depend on him. Like Isaac said, he's your third, your third option to handle the ball on offense after Luca and Porzingis. Um, so that's his role. The biggest question going into the season is, can he be an elite three and D guard? Uh, and then add some playmaking in there too. Can he become, you know, that kind of, you know, I said one of the, one of my questions was, can he flirt with all defensive team? Can he get some votes? Can he defend so well that he gets some votes for all defensive team? And then we don't even know if he's a starter. <laughs> we haven't seen him as a starter except for in Memphis. He was a bench player for the, for the Raptors. And so can he thrive in that starter role? And I think all three of those questions kind of combined into one that I just couldn't word right. And so I wanted to make all three of them. But can he thrive in that role? Can he flirt with all defensive team? And can he be a 3 and D guard? The three, part of the 3 and D, three-point shooting, that has to go up. That's a big question going into the season, too. Yeah, I mean, that's really – that was the question that I landed on uh, with that is, will his outside shot be consistent? And when you look at just last year, he's a career 33% shooter from three. Uh, I just said a little bit ago in Memphis, in his 26 games in Memphis, you know, he shot 25% from three, but shot selection played a role in that as they were just a horrible team. Uh, before that, you know, he shot 30, 33% in Toronto, but as a season, as a, a total last year, 29% from three, that just can't happen this year. But if you go to the year before that, in that season in Toronto, uh, he played 69 games, a nice amount of games in Toronto. And he shot 36% from three that year. That year, So I think when this kind of bleeds into my best case scenario for him, if he can shoot 37%, if he shoots a career high from percentage-wise from beyond the arc, I think that's his best case scenario. That's what, that's what Dallas needs. Because especially with the starting unit, you can't have, even when you have dynamic players like Luka and KP, you need as many shooters on the floor as possible. And if you're going to roll Dwight Powell out there as your five man, obviously he's not an elite outside shooter. But Isaac, he's going to stop. (laughs) But if you've seen the practice footage, we've seen him in person. I've seen Dwight Powell knock down 10 threes in a row, Isaac, with my own eyes. Nick, it's the fall. It's not March yet. (laughs) Dwight Powell, if you're going to have Dwight on the floor, it's going to be difficult if you have somebody like DeLon Wright on the floor also and he can't shoot either, or he's not a threat. Then you have two out of your five players on the floor that are not shooters. Therefore, when guys like Luka drive the lane or Chris Stops does his thing, then their defenders are sagging off of them, daring somebody like DeLon Wright or Dwight Powell to shoot the three. We need DeLon Wright to be an, a consistent outside shooter. And if he can shoot 37% or better, then then you put him on the wing. Then you let Luka do his thing from the top of the key, run the pick and pop. DeLon Wright can hit the three every, pretty much every position. And, and it allows DeLon Wright to be in those end-of-game lineups too. 
because the whole key to those end of game lineups, when they move Porzingis to the five and Dwight Powell's off the floor, if he can be in that end of game lineup to where he's a knockdown three point shooter while still being your, your guard defender too, then it allows you the luxury of having all five players on the floor and four other players alongside Luca when he's handling the ball all being able to hit the outside shot. That's the key to all of it. Yeah, we talk about three-point percentage a lot. We talk about three-point percentage with players and say, oh, they're shooting 32%. They must not be a good three-point shooter. But that's what Lucas shot last year. And we know he's a good three-point shooter. Some players have to hit threes by virtue of they have to be shot makers. Luca is a shot maker. He has to hit certain shots at certain times in the game to be able to make the Mavs offense work. DeLon Wright is not one of those players. He just has to be a threat. Uh, this is our thing with Dorian Finney-Smith. He just has to be a threat out there. He doesn't have to hit you know, three or four threes a game. He doesn't have to take seven a game. He just has to take a couple and just prove that he's a threat so that the defense stays honest on him. And that's what we need DeLon Wright to do. We just have to have the defense stay honest. He's not going to be going out there and pulling up a whole bunch from three. He's going to attempt some catch-and-shoot threes. And if he hits those at a decent clip, you know, 34 35%, I'm okay with both those numbers, I think. Uh, for him if he can just be a threat and just make sure that the defense doesn't sag off of him you know and something you know we have a guard now you know in passing lanes and you know somebody trying to pick off passes then I think that he's done what he needs to be as a a shooter because he's going to bring enough in the other dimensions of the game that'll that'll be productive and that's part of his best Uh, that's go ahead no, I was I was just gonna say statistic wise, I also don't want to put a number on like points per game and all that stuff because I don't think you're gonna see Delon Wright logging over thirty minutes a game because you're gonna see some of these things when you look back of um you look back on like Jason Terry days when he was here in Dallas and Terry was averaging over thirty minutes a game but he was coming off the bench. I think you're gonna see guys like Seth Curry, Jalen Brunson, JJ Barea. These guys are going going to get their minutes. So I don't think it's gonna be something to where Delon Delon writes the starter, but he's gonna share minutes with Seth Brunson and some of these guys. It's not gonna be a in my opinion, I don't think Wright's going to be at 33 minutes a night and he has to be on the floor all the time. So you might not see his points per game be like 14 points a game. You're like, oh man, if he's averaging like eight, that's why these percentages matter so much for him. Yeah, and that's part of his best case scenario. Um, his best case scenario for me, if he receives a couple all NBA, all defensive votes, uh, if he receives a couple all defensive votes at the end of the year, then I think he's done his job. Uh, if his reputation precedes him, <laughs> if he if he goes out there and defends really well. Uh, also, I think if he shoots his, his best percentage from three was a couple years ago. Uh, I think he shot 36.6%. Uh, yeah, in Toronto. That uh, Yeah, the last full year he had in Toronto, 2018. So, so last season, he shot 36.6% from three. Uh, if, he can, if he can do that, and if that's what, you know, Something that he can get back to, that'd be awesome. If he can shoot 35%, I think that's that's part of it too. If he gets if he improves like 37, 38%, then then that's our best case scenario, I think. And just has to be a threat, like I said earlier. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna get more catch and shoot opportunities because of Luca and KP. I, I I want and I expect a career high in three point percentage from Delon Wright this year. Uh, as far as best case scenario, um, Okay, I, I want to throw out most improved, but not for the actual award. Ooh. Like, you know, because those, because those awards go to, like, superstars normally, like the Jokic, Giannis, and all that Paul stuff. Paul George. But we're t- yeah, Paul George of the world. Like, CJ McCollum. But, 
but Delon Wright, I think he can take the next step from being a like potential bench guy to a most improved going from that role to like a solid starter. And a name I want to throw out there: Can he get to like a Marcus Smart level? To where he is a very well-respected defensive guy. Smart last year shot 36% from three. He was obviously on Team USA this past summer in FIBA. Like, can DeLon Wright be like a Marcus Smart type of role player for this Dallas team? That's the jump I want him to make up to from the level he's at now to what Marcus Smart is for Boston. Sounds good to me. Worst case scenario, uh, if he struggles from three, if he's just not a threat, if he's shooting 29% from three, if he's shooting 31% from three, he's just not really a, as much of a threat as you know what other teams would, would consider a threat to be, that's that's going to be problematic for the offense because then he's not going to be playing as much because they're going to have to play Brunson and, and Seth Curry more than him, and then the defense is going to struggle. <laughs> There's just all kinds of things that just have to work exactly right for this guard rotation because they have talents, but they all have very specific talents. They're not all you know, encompassing in one player. We've, we continue our, our research into trying fusing players together like we've tried to do the last couple of years, but we're we're, we're decades away from our fusing players technology yeah, from I mean, working. Uh, and, and another worst case scenario is if the defensive load just proves to be too much, he's going to be guarding the best guards every single night. And he's still been a backup in the league and we haven't seen him as a starter very much in the league. If that just proves to be too much in his defense, if, if by game 15, we're like, man, we really overrated Delon Wright's defense. That's a, that's a worst case scinario for me. Yeah. Yeah. Worst case scenario hinges so much on the outside shot to where it's, you know, he's so bad or not really so bad, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it hovers around that 30% mark to where teams are just, uh, very openly leaving him open and it's affecting the rest yeah. of the offense to where he can't finish games. He's starting them, but he just can't finish them because they just can't have him out there. That that's worst case scenario for him at that point. Yeah. And that, do, that doesn't even seem to be likely to me a worst case scenario where the defensive load just proves to be too much because I just, I just believe that he is a solid defensive player, but going up against the best guards in the West every night is going to be tough. All right, coming up. Seth Curry, we're going to dive into it. He's back, guys, and we're going to dive into his role, the biggest question, and best and worst case scenario for Seth Curry. All right, Isaac. Uh, Seth Curry, 6'2", guard, 29 years old. He was undrafted in 2013. He bounced around the G League. We know this. He played a couple games for Memphis, Cleveland, Phoenix. Uh, Played 44 games for Sacramento in 2016 before the Mavericks swooped in and signed him. He had his best season in 2016 um, or in the 2017 season. And then he had that injury that was just really, really weird. That second season where it was like a shin splint situation. And then he was day to day. And then he was just out for the season, which was really weird. Then he signed with Portland last year and now he's back with Dallas. Seth Curry's role. uh, I think he's the sixth man for this team. I think that they, they paid him an, you know, a long enough deal that I think he's the sixth man. He's going to be the scorer off the bench. Uh, now that JJ is kind of gone, uh, Brunson's the playmaker off the bench to me. Uh, Seth Curry's your scorer off the bench. Um, uh, but he's going to be a shooter. I think he's going to finish in a lot of lineups. And I think the lineup that people are talking about a lot is, uh, is Delon with Seth Curry, Luca Porzingis and Dwight Powell as the finishing lineup because of Seth Curry's shooting. Yes, for sure. I would even take it another step forward. I would swap out Finney Smith for Dwight Powell in some of these. Uh, is that what I said? In- you said Dwight with Porzingis. Oh, oh, you would swipe out Finney Smith. You would put Finney Smith in. 
Yes, I would put Dorian in over Dwight Powell yeah, in some yeah. of these finishing lineups at that point. Um, but, yeah, I think, yeah, exactly what you said. I, I view him. I literally put roll dash six man. If he can I – I know we threw this name out there and we can't throw it around lightly because he's amazing and he's back with the franchise. I mentioned a little bit ago. When he first got here in Dallas a couple years ago, we threw this out there, the Jason Terry thing. I'm like, man, Seth Curry, Jason Terry, can he be that for Dallas? Can he come off the bench, be this bucket getter? And two years ago – that's not really the place that Seth was like at because Seth wanted to start. Like he was very, very yeah. open about that. He wanted to start and he did start. I mean, he, he started 42 games for Dallas that year. And like you said, it was his best season of his career at that point, played in 70 games. So he wanted to start. He felt like he played better when he started. Now he's coming off a season in which he came off the bench in Portland. They're probably going to, probably, we don't know exactly who the yeah, fifth star is, but they're probably going to bring him off the bench in Dallas. But if he can accept that role, and it goes into biggest question for me, I actually had two questions, is will he accept that six-man role? Because it was easier to pitch that in Portland because you got superstar backcourt and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard said, hey, you're going to come off the bench in Portland because you're not going to start with one of these two guys. Will he accept coming off the bench and not starting over DeLon Wright? And, or not starting over Tim Hardaway Jr. or Dorian Finney-Smith or something like that. Will he accept that? I think he will. But I think it's it's a thing to actually throw out. And two, his defense thing. You know, can he yeah. can he prove as a defender? And I think how good he is defensively in the backcourt could spell more minutes for him moving forward. Yeah, I think that. Um... There's a difference between him accepting the role, like he's just going to go move forward, and then him internally accepting the role. And this is something that we yes. just we from afar cannot figure out. When you interview him or when you talk to him, this is something you can learn more about. But is he going to accept it and begrudgingly <laughs> accept that six man role, or is he going to accept it like Jason Terry did, where he's going to come in and thrive in that role and really like this is my role, like this is what I do, and I'm going to go in and you know and uh, and do what I do. I think those those are different things for a player. The defense because that's the that's the pitch of Jason Terry. Yeah, thirty three minutes a game in that 08-09 season and a fast track to the assistant game. GM of the Texas Legends. Yeah, I mean he had nineteen <laughs> points coming off the bench. I mean nineteen points coming off the bench. Lou Williams last year had you know twenty over the past two seasons. Lou Williams yeah. had twenty points coming off the bench. If and if the pitch to him is hey. Come off the bench, be our sixth man. You might not start. You might not hear your name at the very beginning, but you'll hear your name at the very end of the game because you're probably going to be in that that closing lineups in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and the the defense. This was something when we saw you know the seventy games of him was something that we were impressed by. We I, I thought that his defense was going to be terrible. You know he has a you know, shooters like that small shooters like that have a reputation for being terrible defenders, and I didn't think Seth was. I thought Seth was a solid defender. Uh, I think at Certain points in the season, it was his defense was overrated, and then at certain points of the season, it was underrated. It really depend on who you asked and who who had actually watched him. But I think that he's a, a decent defender, and uh, but that definitely has to improve. He can't be a liability if he's going to be closing lineups, and uh, that's that's part of the best case scenario. He continues to shoot the way he has, which honestly, the, his career average is the best case scenario because he just it doesn't waver. It just stays. I mean, it's forty five percent all the time and it just stays I mean, where it is i mean there, there's no dips or, or you know there's no peaks and valleys with it it's the same he's so consistent literally in seasons and in seasons that he plays in at least three games 
in at least three games, he shot at least 42% from three. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy thing about his last three seasons. He shot 45% from three last season. And the 2016-17 season in Dallas, he shot 48%. From, uh, no, 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 that's field goal range. Um, <laughs> he, shot, he, shot, he shot 45% from in 2018-19 last season. In the 2016-17 season in Dallas, he shot 42 and the year before that, he shot 45%. I mean, that's just crazy. Like, I mean, this is three straight straight seasons that he's been playing in, you know, healthy, in which he shot at least 42% from three. He's literally one of the best three-point shooters in the game. And now he comes to Dallas to pair with Luka. And, I mean, they're pairing. And not a lot of people are talking about their pairing. A lot of people, including us, have talked about Luka and KP's pairing. But there could be something really special with a Seth Curry Luca pairing because Luca yeah. having having that and seeing and we've talked about like if Seth comes off the bench and Luca stays playing with that second unit some like he did last year, you know, will they be able to build that chemistry that will will see you know kind of take place at the end of games too in those closing lineups? But I honestly and I threw this out there for be, you know a best case scenario one. I don't want us to put a ceiling on what Seth Curry could actually hit this season. There is there a scenario in which he becomes a starter? He plays so well that it's like, hey, he he defends at a high enough level to where he can start. And we love his outside shooting with Luca and them. I think that's a scenario that we we can't just totally dismiss. Yeah, it's not. I think we I think we have to throw out there the fact of could he be the third high you know third high score on the team. I think it's something we've we've talked about that very well could happen off the bench or not. But could he be a third piece type of thing like a Jason Terry was for this Dow, you know, for Dallas back in the day? Like I, I think where you put his ceiling, be careful with some people out there like, oh, okay, he's just a bench guy. I think he's going to really excel in Dallas this year playing with Luka and them, whether it's off the bench or not. Yeah, because if you think about that, Seth Curry as a starting point guard makes sense for teams. Um, with his size and with his abilities. DeLon Wright as a two guard with his size and abilities makes sense. Uh, and then Luca as a three makes sense. So if you, if you do all three of those guys and it all makes sense in that way, then uh, you know it doesn't matter what, what position. It just matters what role they're fulfilling. And that, that lineup could really work. That could be their starting lineup. It really could. Worst case scenarios. Um, worst case scenarios for Seth is they have to depend on him too much. I think if, if it turns out that they really, really need Seth to be big for them and we're like, man, nobody on this team can make a three except for Seth. Then I think that's a problem <laughs> for the team, I think. And it might not be, you know, I guess that's the worst case scenario, not for Seth's individual play, but for what the Mavericks will need him to do. If they're like relying on him to hit a three, you know, late in games, cause he's the only one, then, you know, maybe we, we're having an issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I think in a funny way, this kind of speaks to um, just how good he is at outside shooting. Worst case scenario, he's a 40% three-point shooter. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, I mean li- Whoa. literally worst case scenario because, I mean, we've literally seen, I mean, the four seasons he played before the 2015-16 season, he didn't play, he literally played in two games, one game, one game, two games. Like, this was in and out of the G League and all that stuff, or D League at the time. So, like, literally since he's actually been in the league and played, like, a lot of games, he's been a 42% shooter. So, it's like, worst case scenario, he's like, what, drops the 40? Um, so, anyway, the 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 floor for him shooting-wise, I think, is still pretty high. But I think the biggest worst case scenario is, 
he just gets torched on defense, especially in some of these end of game things. Yeah. And we don't think he's that bad. Like you mentioned, I don't think he's that bad at defensively either, but people bring it out and to where he is, you know, kind of smaller. He is kind of skinnier a little bit to where if he is in some of these end of game lineups, you know, let's just say they're playing something like Houston and like, man, we really need a shooting out there, but there's, but they're, they're targeting him over Luca for the switches yeah. to where somebody like Harden or somebody like Westbrook's posting him up in the post and just shooting right over him to where he becomes the target and not Luca. That's is that is like the worst case scenario for him to where defensively can he get played off the court? I don't think it will reach that point at all, but I think that's the if we're doing worst case scenario would be the worry. For sure. So, there you go. That's Seth Curry, that's Delon Wright. Those are our player profiles, man. I can't believe we're doing player profiles already. The season is right around the corner. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. We'll be back tomorrow. Peace out. Boom. Boom.